On today's podcast, Rob and I talk about the Realogy cold calling lawsuit and finding your passion. Join us. Let's go. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Industry Relations Podcast with Rob and Greg. This is your co-host, The Notorious Rob Hahn, and uh, with me is the fabulous Greg Robertson. Hello, Rob. <laughs> How the hell are you, Greg? Good, man. You know, just uh, working too much, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look a little little peaked. Hopefully, it's not the coof. You know, the the peak. Well, maybe it's the black on. Bl- I'm wearing a lot of black today. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Who Although knows? I like that hat, man. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Old school, old school. Who do I need to contact to see if I get some more? <laughs> I'll, look, in our studio I'll, I'll look at some of the old swag boxes we have in storage and see if I can find you one. Yeah. I, it's still one of my favorite shirts is actually from you guys. I think I got yeah. it at a CMLS or something. So always, always get the uh, um, comments on that. In fact, I, uh, there was an, ML, an MLS exec like two weeks ago that sent me a picture they're on vacation and they had their shirt on, so they thought, yeah, it's just a quick picture. So that was cool. Cool. All right. Yeah. So send over some WNR swag, and uh, I don't know. Maybe we should do a drawing. We should do like a drawing for, of listeners. Like maybe if people comment on our YouTube channel, they they have a chance to win some WNR swag. How's that? You know, I have an idea um, that I was just going to do, but I mean, we could. Li- I could actually make it a, a thing that we could promote on industry relations, but I want to talk to you first about it. Okay. Off, off this offline. And then, okay. And then All we'll, right. We'll have something to talk about. All right. But in the meantime, how, uh, if you are watching and you make a comment in YouTube, we may do a random drawing and send you that fabulous hat that Greg is wearing right now. <laughs> wait, 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 <laughs> well, you know, because I get a lot of people. I mean, I like a flat bill. Yeah. And sometimes when I go to, when I'm traveling, I'll, I'll wear a hat like this because I can cover my yeah. eyes, and yeah. whatever. But um, a lot of people think I look like a gangster. Well, you do. Like you that. are a gangster. You're a gangster of love. You're a gangster of real estate. <laughs> we all know this. Yeah. <laughs> Westside. <laughs> <I> represent. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, it's a good thing we're going to have fun because we're going to talk about problems. <laughs> yeah. More money, more problems. <laughs> More problems, more money. Uh, the specific thing I think is, and this is a case, honestly, I haven't read the complaint. I haven't read a lot of the stuff, but I know Inman just ran a story about the fact that the lawsuit against Realogy, which I found a little odd, but against Realogy for cold calling uh, just got certified as a class action. And in the course of that certification, it seems pretty evident that the judge kind of beat up on Realogy a little bit, which is kind of a trend, I think, of judges beating up on real estate companies, NAR, you know, various things and their various, you know, uh, rulings and opinions prior to the actual decision. Um, So let's talk about this because this is potentially a big deal. Uh, I know you have a number of thoughts and number of observations. So what's your take on this, Greg? Yeah, actually, you know what, before you start. Just so you understand, just so in case people are not aware, there is a, a lawsuit. Uh, let's see what the name it is. Class action certification. It just got class action certification, but the name of the case, I think, is called Bumpus, which is awesome. <laughs> Bumpus versus Realogy, I believe it is, or it might be Bumpus versus Coldwell Banker. Um, but in any event, uh, what the lawsuit is about is how. Realogy agents were using auto dialers and other things to make phone calls to customers who are not in the national do not call registry, right? And that Realogy policy uh, was insufficient to make sure compliance with, you know, do not call registry. Um, And there was a bunch of stuff in there about prohibiting agents from using pre-recorded, like, you know, machine calling, robo calling. So I thought I also read it was also just you know, you know they are uh, we're outsourcing some of the calling too, which correct. I know is pretty popular with agents. Yeah, correct, correct. So that's what the lawsuit is about. Uh, Realage obviously went and said this is stupid, um, and I think there are a couple of things that they made a, your standard 
you know, sort of uh, arguments like, you know, uh, we're not responsible, blah, blah, blah. One of the things they said was, we don't operate these companies, right? We're, uh, you know, each office owned and operate independently. And then obviously every agent is attending an independent contractor. And the court did not buy their argument one bit as far as this particular uh, issue goes. Okay. Over to you, sir. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, you know, going back to what I just talked about where um, they're using different companies or like you said, and also it's not just robocalling, but it's actually humans. Um, It's I know, and this is very popular on the agent threads that I watch or that I follow on, on Facebook and everything else, these groups um, it's, you know, a little bit of globalization, right? So where you can hire some guys uh, and a group out of the Philippines, give them some scripts and then um, dial for dollars, right? I mean, get, and I know that that uh, companies like mine use outsources, you know, for development talent of others. Um, so a part of this is just the ease in which you can kind of get these things done nowadays by, by hiring groups um, outside of the U.S. to kind of do these things of that might need some, might seem monotonous, but um, they're only doing it if, it if it actually makes some money typically, right? But it's pretty reasonable when you look at it, when you're hiring some of that labor out there. So it's not like just major corporations are doing this, but, you know, teams, you know, some high production agents mm-hmm. um, just to kind of go, hey, listen, you have a farm, let's say, that has 320 homes, you know, you can buy lists with the, with uh, addresses of the homes that include the telephone number. Give that to uh, write a script. Give that to somebody you know in the Philippines or other places to make some calls and see if you can drum up some business. I don't know. I mean, you may not have, but I've gotten calls like that, and I I can't tell where they're calling from. But you know, it's right. like, hey, we've got a buyer for your home. Are you interested in selling anytime soon? Oh, uh, I I'm sure I get those phone calls, but I don't answer them because I have the Apple you know, thing where if, if you're not in my contact list, I just doesn't ring through. Yeah. And I, I call ones that spam detect, but there's a couple that kind of fall through. It's always yeah, you for sure. What are the ones, the, uh, your, your car renewal, your, your, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. The auto insurance warranty. Yeah. 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 Christ. That's those, a big one. Those guys are clever because it usually comes from the same area code you're in with a couple of maybe sometimes even with the first three digits of your own phone number. So it yeah. seems like, Oh, Maybe this is legit, right? I mean, it's these guys are super clever at, at the way they do these things. Um, yeah, and I've got some other things to talk about as far as how we can kind of relate this to our own industry here. But I mean, I want to hear your take as well. I think my take is that this is something I I kind of talked about it a while back, right? That it, I remember I, I used oh I used to have this series of uh, presentations I would do that I, uh, I called like the silencing of the realtor. And it wasn't because of this lawsuit, it was because of other things that I was seeing where agents were being super aggressive, you know, with phone calls, right? And there was one case in particular where an agent dialed a phone number because again, somehow they got a list and it's of all of the residents, all the phone numbers associated with a particular address, right? So they called this number and somebody picks up and starts telling, hey, are you interested in selling your house, whatever. Turned out to be the family's nine-year-old daughter. Right. And this got written up in the press. This was like a Washington Post reporter whose daughter got called by an agent. And I was like, oh, yo, <laughs> you know, this is not going to play well, well. Did they call the home, home, home phone and the daughter picked up or did the, the daughter no. have an it was for daughter probably had a cell phone, right? Oh, so it's, nine-year-olds with cell phones. How? I guess I don't know. What are you talking about? You're in California. I've seen like five-year-olds with iPhones in California. Well, I mean that's stretching it, but I mean I, I'm just the only reason I'm kind of pausing here is because I'm trying to think like, you know, did Hope have a phone at nine nine years old? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, my kids had you know dumb phones, but still. So it's who knows what. I, but point is that this has been going on for a few years. We also know that this has been a common sort of, I don't know what to call it, coaching, right? You know, there's all a lot of sure. the coaches, I mean, a lot of the training partners talk about, 
you know, calling on physicals. 3,000 contacts or 3,000 calls. That means you're going to get 300 contacts. Right. And that means you're going to get, you know, 30, 30, 30 conversations. Right. And then you're going to get three, you know, three, three leads. Right. That, right. That Our, whole, right. Whole, yeah. Absolutely. And then, you know, all the teams that have like the hour of power, you know, all the team yeah. members have to get in and start dialing for dollars. Like we, we know this happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And we know that this is effective because otherwise they wouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not effective. It's effective. The issue is most people hate it. Right. Most people hate it. I mean, there's all these sort of spam blockers. There's all these things. I used to have this app. I can't remember what it was called. But it was basically built by somebody who got pissed off and created a bot. So if you got a phone call from a spammer, right, you're supposed to forward the call to this bot, which was designed to waste as much time as possible. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, like, it was designed to be like, huh, that's interesting. Like, tell me more. Right? Yeah, hold, so on the, yeah, hold on. Let me grab something. Okay, I'm yeah. back. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And so I forgot what you were just saying. So the whole idea was that you would just spend 30, 40 minutes just wasting this, uh, you know, yeah. telemarketer. Um, Terrible. So fact is society hates it. And, you know, and I've, I thought for a long time it wouldn't be a lawsuit like this. There'd be some sort of regulation. It'd be some sort of technology solution. And like we're seeing with the iPhone. Uh, so yeah, I don't get any phone calls that well, are not was, already in my was, contact list. You know, there was a, a, a policy put on the do not call list, right? So there was do not call list, correct? And then there is technology. And it's still it's still going, you know, forward, right? Yeah. Except that obviously people have come up with technology to defeat the technology, right? <laughs> Which is why this lawsuit exists because the do not call registry does exist, and apparently a number of these robocallers, a number of these companies, number of these agents just ignore the do not call list. And we're making telemarketing calls. Do you think that this is? Do you think that there's been a rise in this type of of, of these kind of calls? I I don't know. I mean, I've not looked at the marketing stats. I've not looked at it um, because recently. I, I'm wondering. You know, again, I think we've talked about this before, um, and there is a lot of things going on right now with vendors that provide leads to agents, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, seller leads or buyer leads, right? And Apple, and this has been affecting the technology sector, most most of all the social media sites and the biggest one being Facebook, with Apple's right. ATT policy, this app tracking transparency. And this has been kind of hell for a lot of social media sites where they used to be able to track people from when they log in and their behavior, and then they can kind of like give uh, businesses a really slick and easy way and dashboards to kind of say, Hey, if you spend this much money, you're going to get this much back. And a lot of gaming Mm -hmm. uh, apps would use this and everything else, but that's kind of like, and that's hit a lot of these social media sites hard because of the ad revenue that they're losing because there's tracking, right? So it seems to me that there's those types of things going away, start to give rise to older old school methods or, or leveraging, you know, things like phone more than they used to in the past. Right. So I don't know if, I I don't know if it's gone up or down. I kind of feel like I get more of these damn calls because I do on my iPhone, it says spam, spam, spam. I get Mm -hmm. a lot of those. I get them on our home phone, which I argue with my wife all the time. Why do we have a home phone? Everybody has a phone in their pocket here, but she's not having a a home phone. And like 90% of those calls are like, no, thank you. Bye. Click. Yeah. 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 Um, So it, it might have to do with that. It's an overall thing that's going on with those things, and and people are more leveraged. And then again, going back to like, it's very easy to hire five people in the Philippines, give them a script, and 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 you know hook them up to a database, and then get a list of leads that they send to you every morning, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, so you know, it's it's I think a combination of a lot of different things that are they're uh, having to have happen. Um, if I could relate it to the industry, can I do that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so you know, there's. Right now, it's, you know, within like associations or, you know, state, local or MLS providers, um, you know, basically there's a thing where, you know, once you sign up to use them and and let's say if you're using MLS data, I mean, um, you can't use the roster of the agent database to do any marketing, right? That's always been part of using an agreement, right? Right. But there are lists out there of contacting agents, right? If you marry that with kind of some of the movements in the industry where, 
an MLS or an association doesn't want to choose a winner as far as vendors are concerned. So, you know, you're seeing maybe that, you know, the site license or member benefit models of MLS uh, vendors or third-party software vendors kind of like changing to more, let's say, usage-based or mm-hmm. or just not even anything, but just, you know, we'll, per- we'll, you know, we'll put you, we'll give you a tile on our site and, you know, or some advertising on our site and you have to kind of, you'll, you'll have to contact, you know, you got to market directly to the agents and we're not going to choose a winner, blah, blah, blah. Well, right. You know, what that, you know, what that opens up to is like, okay, well you've just basic. And now again, I'm not saying they're using the roster at all, but there's ways of, you know, getting lists of agents, phone numbers. Well, because of of those models going away, you know, you could have a world in the future where, you know, uh, a vendors, vendors with all the different products they're trying to sell, start just inundating agents with calls. Start? What well, do you mean start? Because no, that's it, kind of been happening. It has been <laughs> happening. Uh, there's some, been some high-profile cases of that that have been gone on Inman as well about, you know, how aggressive these guys are. I mean, poor agents are hiding under their desk when the phone rings because they're all <laughs> But I mean, you know, it could get worse. It could definitely get worse depending on like if you blow up some of the models that have been out there for a while in, in regards to site licenses, member benefits and, and, and such like that to when you get some really aggressive people going out there. Um, I've always talked about like with cloud CMA, you know, I probably made the first thousand phone calls, right? And these were not only like MLS execs and, and association execs, but also, you know, agents that i knew that i had you know from previous companies that i had good relationships with and you know it's an effective way of contacting people but god the way that technology and this globalization has made it so easy to do that it's so ripe for abuse it's just so ripe for abuse so we'll see what happens like you're right look first of all i think real estate agents probably make the ideal telemarketing uh target because i'm willing to bet rather a lot of money that no real estate agent anywhere in the country has joined the do not call registry. Right. right? Because their whole business is dependent upon, Oh, I listed a home or here's my billboard. Call me. If you're like, there's, there's virtually no chance that any real estate agent anywhere has that number one. Number two, there's also very little chance that real estate agents have the software like you and I might have, Right, that blocks calls from unfamiliar because the whole point for them is to talk to unfamiliar numbers in case it's a potential client. Right. Well, if you, if you talk to Zillow and others, they never pick up the phone anyway or answer any leads, though. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's. Um, I think there's a couple of things that are that are really kind of novel that are really just kind of bugging me. You're right. I, so from the industry standpoint, it's going to happen. Right, but real estate agents almost have to kind of accept that I think, because your job is to talk to people on the phone. Yeah, right. To some extent, what I find really interesting about this case, and I thought this was kind of where you're headed, is the fact that the court did not accept the idea that a franchise of independent operators working with independent contractors, like they just kind of wiped that out. Right. That was no protection. And they're going to go forward with the lawsuit. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, the plaintiffs will actually win. Who knows? Maybe at trial, really, you will be able to say, wait a minute, we're just a franchise, right? Each office is independently owned and operated. So why are you talking to us? And then when you go to the office, they go, well, we're just, we're brokerage and all of our agents are their own businesses. They're all 1099 independent contractors. So why are you coming after us? It's possible to win there. All I'm saying is the court in this stage was like, no, 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 we don't buy that. And I do want to read this part of the uh, of the Inman article because it's a quote, right? Um, what they say is, da da da. Okay, da da da. All right. In response to religious defense that its agents are independent contractors, plaintiffs maintain that agents make the cold calls on behalf of Realogy, Holdings Corp, and other defendants, the latter of which the plaintiffs call, quote, shell companies that they allege Realogy has created to limit its own liability. Coal bank offices do not operate independently. Each one is run in accordance with Realogy defendants' policies and procedures to ensure continuity of customer service from office to office. 
and to protect the reputation of Colwell brand, which in turn ensures more profits for the defendants. That's a pretty powerful yeah, yeah. theory, right? And I think, okay, it's one thing when it's applied to this cold calling thing. And I'm trying to think of all the millions of other things, right? Where you have some agent that gets sued, some broker that gets sued, and the defense is, we're independent, <laughs> we're a franchise, or brokers going, independent contractor. <clears throat> if that protection gets removed. Yeah, the, the, the buck has got to stop somewhere, right? But I mean, in this case, I you can't fault the judge or anybody in a sense. I don't know about you, but like when I when I talk to my non-real estate friends, right? Yeah. And you know, they it's very hard for them to grasp like, well, Remax is a franchisor or mm-hmm. Realogy's, you know, or or Century 21's a franchisor. They're not really a real estate broker. Right. But and then I say, well, actually they do sometimes own and off. I mean, it's just, it's very nebulous as far as uh, I, I have trouble in being in this business forever, just describing to a non-real estate person that concept because they just right. know, right. oh, Cola Banker or, oh, Remax, that they're right. they real estate. Well, right. and actually Remax does own some company and offices, but not really their franchise or so it's, you know, and, and maybe what the judge is saying here is that, you know, um, you guys have gotten away with this, right? I mean, right. You're, you're representing this and okay. So, you know, this is, um, this is a problem that you're going to have to solve, right? Um, that because there is a, a, there is an implied, um, thing by using your name that, that you're responsible for this and right. you've been using that to your advantage, but you know what? There are some disadvantages to doing that. And then what you're saying is very interesting because think of the word realtor, Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, let's. Mm-hmm. What if you go and unwind and pull the the, mm-hmm. the thread off of that sweater, right? How does that kind of unwind? You know, mm-hmm. when you start going there. So, yeah, no, it's it's a uh, it's a lot more it's a lot more interesting and deep than you can kind of uh, than it just looks on the surface for sure. There was a big case out of New Jersey. This is a few years ago, um, where some homeowner got so angry, right? Like we got into some dispute with his agent, you know, claimed that the agent misrepresented or, you know, whatever, somehow screwed up and was owed a bunch of money. And when they, when this consumer took it to the broker, the broker's like the agent's independent contractor, right? Take it up with him. Like, what, what do we have to do with it? And this consumer's like, what are you talking about? This is one of your agents who works for you, right? And then we took it to corporate. Corporate's like, that that's a franchisee. That's an independent contract. You know, we don't. The it is independent like, operator. It is pass the right. buck. Pass the buck. And right? so down to the individual agent who obviously doesn't have enough money, right? So this guy got so pissed, he created a website, right? And started talking about you know these shell games and you know this broker doesn't want to take responsibility. The franchise doesn't want to take responsibility. Blah blah blah. And so I'm looking at that like, okay, if this precedent in this lawsuit. If the president gets set that if you're a franchise, you have any sort of rules or policies, you have anything like that. If you're a brokerage office and you have any sort of rules or policies, guess what? You're responsible. This 1099 thing is not going to protect you. Dude, that's a much bigger deal, right? Yeah. That is a, and you're right. Now, could that apply to a, a, an association, right? Because if the idea is around brand protection, so we have these rules and policies, so, but they're just a member. Well, actually, you, you don't escape that, right? Because you have these rules and policies, it, it, it could be a much, much bigger deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I do wonder what happens. Like this case probably, like it wasn't on my radar because it's not like an MLS case. It's not, you know, it's not one of the commission lawsuit cases. But there's a chance that this is a much bigger deal, right? Because of this issue of we don't give a crap that the agents are independent contractors. We don't care that you, the brokerage, is an independent old operated thing. This is gonna hit everybody. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, obviously, <laughs> you know, the realty guys are gonna fight this. But if I'm Remax, if I'm Keller Williams, if I'm EXP, man, I've got to look at this. And be like, I gotta be a little terrified of what could happen. You know. So that's on the problem side. The question is, how do we solve this? Right. We should get a coach to tell us how to solve this. But are know. there, you know, what other? Yeah, what what other I mean again, I have to go back to like, 
Like it's effective. Right? Mm-hmm. And I guess what you have to do is you have to, ch- if you're doing this yourself, do you, are you using technology or software that, that filters out people on the new do not call list? I mean, right. You know, what, you know, what, what, to, if you're, if you're, you're working with an outside company, vet them. How are you, you how are you handling this type of situation? Right. This is right. what's happening in the street. I don't, you're going to be using my name. You're going to be using my broker's name. How do we vet, you know, make sure if you're a broker, maybe you can kind of help your agents by vetting all vetting things that you already know to be um, reputable organizations that kind of do those things. Cause I don't think the I don't think the message is, I mean, if you're telling people just to stop doing this, I don't think that, that that's a, that's the right approach. I think it's just doing, there are ways of doing this, this ethically. I mean, it goes back, right. you know, I think back to, um, you know, uh, email marketing, right. And spamming there, you know, they have spamming themselves. And, you know, we, 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 I used to go to like this email marketing summit. We spent a lot of time on, on really basically making our, our making sure our list was very, very clean. And, mm-hmm. you know, this yeah. following all the best practices of what yeah. they call permission based marketing. Yeah. The double opt in. All that, yeah. right. Because, you know, and, and watching our deliverability rate, watching our cancellation rate. And, I, I would get frustrated with, and you know, I don't know if she re- listens to the podcast tomorrow, but my director, Mark Francis, right? She's, she's really, really, you know, all the classes and everything we went to, she took to heart. And, but, you know, me as an entrepreneur, I was like, you know, God, somebody, I got a list. It's like, you know, it's all of all the agents of NAR. Let's just try campaign, Francis, of just, yeah, you know, yeah. three thirty days and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's, it was always, well, what email, you're not selling that from our email address yeah, are yeah, yeah. <laughs> this and that. I have to set up something completely. And like, you know, that's, you know, that's not going to be effective because a, you know, she would like, give me back all the things. Why you know, that we've re- that we've read, read about and, you know, we're practicing ourselves to do that, yeah. but it's, it's so tempting to yeah. take those shortcuts, right? And it's it takes a very disciplined leader to listen and and not do that, right? But um, you know, th- there's or ways maybe it takes a big giant, you know, legal fee, right? <laughs> maybe it takes really <laughs> getting, you know, having to pay out three hundred million dollars in damages or something, and then it's like it doesn't matter how disciplined you are. A lot of folks are gonna, yeah, you know what? We're gonna stop that now. Going forward, we're going to vet the shit out of every list. We're going to follow all these best practices. We don't that's need. Not, that's not doable either, though, bro. Right? I mean, not at all. They're not going to be able to go to each franchise, you know, to unless they choose a vendor that this is the only vendor you can use to do this or something. I mean, right? I don't know the answer there. I mean, if they lose, I mean, well, I mean, like you said, I think that you know, I think that the court has to be a little bit more educated here on on what. <laughs> And once, once they they get into the 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 specifics of the independent contractor and the franchisor relationship, and, and understand that more, maybe something else will come up. Well, I mean, I, I th- in this case though, the issue is going to be that these phone calls are going to people who are on the do not call registry, right? And that's that is a hard sort of legis- piece of legislation. So to the extent that you've done that. You're gonna to have to try and come up with some excuses. So, as like I said, as realtors, you're gonna to have to say something like, "We don't allow this. This is already against policy, right?" The brokers are gonna say, "We don't allow this. This is already policy that you don't call people and it's not call list." So then the issue is all about how did it happen, you know? And then you gotta blame the vendor. You gotta blame the technology. You gotta blame some rogue agent. You gotta do those things and try and limit your damages that way. Um, but it still raises the big question, right? So okay, that's fine. How do you market? Right? If so going forward, if real estate coaches have to start telling people, hey, you know what? Don't do it, don't do those hour of power calls. Or if you're gonna do it, here are seven things that you must do to make sure you're not calling somebody at this is not called registry or or whatever, or run afoul some other law or some other regulation, right? Okay, let's say you do that. Whole point of that is to make that method less effective. That's I mean, that's the whole point of these regulations, right? Less, well, less, less effective. I mean, you know, I mean, how <clears throat> you could argue be make it more effective, Rob, because how effective are you be, are going to be by calling people that have told you not to call them, right? 
So I could argue the exact opposite of what you're saying. If you're making up a rule which says, please only call people that have not registered on the do not call list, well, you've just made your list even better, right? I, you could make that quality argument, but you know, if your list goes from 10,000 names to 1,000, you know, like you're, yeah, you're going to have to make those 9,000 that, that told you not to call them are still, you know, legitimate, you know, legitimate prospects. I mean, uh, who, who knows? I, and I, I don't even know the stats for like the do not call registry. Yeah. Like I know I used to be on it. I don't know if I have to renew it. I don't know what the deal is. And there are a bunch of exceptions, right? You know, curiously enough, you know what the exceptions is? Hmm. Political parties. <laughs> oh, you mean your skill could be hounded by politicians? Oh God! Ew. Amazing how they carved out that little exception. Oh, right? Amazing. I think nonprofits also can call you. But but again, all this all this points to is that the the, the practice is effective. Sure, but so is spam email. You know. Yeah, I mean, I guess, so spam I guess email. you're doing it in some level. I don't know. I mean, or, I've, I've run, I've done, I've run call. You know, have been a part of organizations that had, you know, call centers of let's say you know thirty to forty people. Mm-hmm. You know, down to like what we were doing mostly at WNR, which was inbound marketing. Right, right. Uh, I much prefer the inbound marketing than than doing. Everyone does. Dollars, right. right? Right. Everyone does, and that's the interesting. So I'm like, I think that's the way the world is changing. Right. Everything's got to be around inbound marketing. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then a couple things happen. Number one, brand really does become important. And this has been a complaint of mine for ten years now. Right. And I got in some trouble with it and I'd get to fights with, you know, brand operators. I'm like, because in real estate, brand doesn't mean anything, right? Except maybe one or two brands. In real estate, like for consumers, brand doesn't mean anything. Maybe a lot of it is because agents have been trained and encouraged to be so f- proactive and so aggressive, right? And I'm kind of like, okay, if we're moving to a world where you're going to say, okay, stop being so aggressive because we don't want to get sued, start doing more inbound, then you got to generate some reason for inbound, right? Whether that's, I have a really strong brand that everyone recognizes, right? So nobody's calling me about listing my house because I'm on the do not call list, but I do want to sell my house, so I better pick up the phone and I will contact somebody, you know? And in that case, maybe you need to, you want to be with some big brand, you know, that's known and first top of mind and all of those things. Um, the other possibility I think is, Maybe more content-based marketing, you know? Yeah, inbound, something that, inbound marketing, yeah, for sure. Right? Uh, and again, to, in order to generate uh, interest in inbound calls, but so there it's not, you're not necessarily relying on like a brand, like a Coldwell Bank or Remax. Now you're relying on content you're producing, like stuff that you're doing yourself in order to try and get people who are going to just find you somehow. And that's, that's the challenge, right? It's how do you get found when there's so many people doing the exact same thing? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, as a vendor, you know, making products and selling to agents or, or as any entrepreneur, right? Um, y- you are getting to a point where you can't too much game the system anymore. I mean, right. it has to focus upon, um, we always just say WNR was like the best marketing you can have is a great product. Right. right? right. And, you know, with, with somebody being able to go to the internet and, and type in what is the best this or look at all the Amazon, you know, there's, yep. you know, 75,000 four star ratings on this one product and only yep. 3,000 with three stars. I mean, it gets down more and more that, you know, people, the best thing to do is focus on, on your product, whatever right. that product is. It could be, you know, a, a piece of software. It could right. be a, you know, <clears throat> chair you're making uh right. or you know a sports team that you're <laughs> that you're competing you know out right. there right i mean or real estate services yeah. you know or you're just a great service provider you're a great agent you're a great broker i mean it, maybe it'd have to be that way um which it, there's but, nothing really kind of wrong with that right i mean nothing um, you know so and then and then anything that you're doing to add on to that is is more of a multiplier than anything else right correct so, yeah correct and i think social media potentially could get more powerful because of this because how else are you going to get in front of people, right? Um, I mean, certainly if you're a vendor in our in our space, you know, and you want to get in front of potential customers, like you really should be advertising on, let's say, industry relations. Just saying, you know, these uh, micro niche, 
you know, uh, now, imagine, imagine this, Rob. I mean, and, and I'm being serious here to the to listeners out there that let's say you're a vendor like I am with a, with a company and you're you're selling to MLS as an association of franchisors. Um, and we we already know that these people are listening to this podcast and we we haven't had a, a sponsorship yet. And you're the first sponsor. Rob, I mean, are we going to are we going to show a lot of love to that first sponsor? I, I think just a little bit. Uh, just a like, little just, bit. Just, just think, a little bit. I think yeah. we're gonna, you know, after the, our first sponsor in yeah. you know, a couple of years, I think that that person that steps up to the table that emails <laughs> Greg Robertson at gmail.com and says, Greg, I want to be the first sponsor of industry relations. We might have I might have I might have to get some balloons up in here. Uh, dude, I, this is a masterful job of shilling. I, I love it. You're you're the master. <laughs> don't don't speed up for me like that, bro. You're the best, no, but you the know, inaugural, so. the inaugural sponsor of industry relations. We might, you know, flagship, the flagship, yeah. the charter, yeah. have, the charter sponsor yeah. of industry relations. Oh my God. The, the, yeah. the, we're going to show a lot of love. Aren't we Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Peepaw, Meemaw, uh, you know, you, you could be the big, big daddy, <laughs> big mama. Um, okay, going back to topic. Cause you know, shilling is good and I'm happy to do it, but, um, I do think, and, and I, this is a piece I think I did want to say, because our producer, Matt, you know, tells us all the time, right? Riches are niches, and we're a total niche podcast. Yeah. Um, I think there's something to be said for that when you apply it to real estate. You know how real estate agents have been told and trained for years about find a niche, yeah. right? Like become a local expert, like really know everything about your neighborhood or find some, you know, I only do farm and ranch. I only do horse uh, properties or, or whatever. Um, and they talk about that. I think that's really smart. I would add on to that. If you do become an expert in a niche or you want to become an expert in a niche, create content for that niche, right? Because I have to say, like, I think, just speaking for myself, I think I know a shit ton about like MLS and the industry as a whole, but doing this with you the last, God, how long have we been doing this? Two years, three years? Like however long we've been doing this? it's made me even better, more of an expert because I had to learn stuff to, right? And I think we can apply that principle just to the industry as a whole, right? So let's say, it, let's say you're a vendor and you've got a product, um, I don't know, doghouse uh, interior square footage measurement tool. Yeah, right? exactly. You should be doing a podcast. You've been doing blogs. You should be out there doing something like we're doing around doghouse uh, interior square footage technology or methodology or whatever, right? You got to display the fact that you know what the fuck you're talking about. If you're a real estate agent and you are like, I'm an expert in uh, Las Vegas. Okay. My first thing is number one, Las Vegas is too big. You cannot be an expert in Las Vegas. I'm sorry. It's just too big. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you want to pretend like, go ahead, but chances are that's not, but if you want to say I'm an expert in this neighborhood of Las Vegas. Okay. But then you're going to have to display that. And this isn't a common strategy. It's just not one that agents do a lot, right? Because I, it's really hard. It's time consuming and you don't get immediate payoffs. Whereas dialing for dollars and robocalls do result in immediate leads and immediate payoff, right? And I guess there's a part of me that feels like I get it and I'm very sympathetic, but the laws are the laws and the society's moving in this direction. And when you put yourself in the consumer's shoes, you could be a realtor doing robocalling and dialing for dollars. Doesn't mean you enjoy getting robocalled dial, dial for dollars from you know auto warranty companies and you know healthcare plans and whatever other fuck you know that are are out there, right? Porn sites, whatever it is. You don't want you don't want to be the target of that. So recognize that, right? And start thinking, okay, do I have an inbound strategy? If it is what it is, it how much money am I devoting to that? You know, because like maybe instead of paying seven people in the Philippines to do outbound calls, right? Maybe only spend hire four of them, and then spend the money you would have spent in the other three doing more content creation or doing whatever for inbound. I don't know. Like it's you got to think of something, and maybe coaches have to up their game in light of this lawsuit and try and think about okay, how do we generate more brand? How do we generate more inbound? I don't know. That's just kind of my take on on that piece. No, and, and I think we may have talked about this in this podcast before, but there's this concept that, you know, Kevin Kelly, I think he was the co-founder of Wired Magazine, 
um, came up with, which which is a thousand true fans, right? Mm. You know, um, and that's you know if you can if you can get you know a thousand people to pay you a hundred bucks you know a year, yeah, right, you know, and something to do that you love, you can make a living at that. Sure, right, and you know sometimes you just have to give yourself constraints about what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish. You know, sure. you don't, ha- nobody has to be the next IBM or the next Microsoft or anything else. I mean, if you're a photographer, if you love screen, yeah. if you love woodworking, if you love whatever, if you put that stuff out there and show your authenticity and show your passion for that, getting a thousand people to kind of follow you and, and, and go along with the journey with you and, and just paying a hundred bucks. I mean, those are, those are manageable things, right? That, yeah. that can require all this kind of like uh, automation. Yeah. So to speak, yeah. right? So, um, and if that, I think about that. I mean, uh, if you work towards building, I, hell, I think it would be 500 um, real estate clients. I mean, that's a that's a lifetime of business. If, you know, you're churning every seven years. You know, you're in the business. Let's say 20 years. I mean, you can make it. You know, but that raises a topic. Maybe we should talk about at some point in the future, right? Which is, you're right, but that authenticity and that passion. Like, do you really like it? So here's a question for you. How but many that's, realtors? That's, you know, I mean, if you're not, why are you doing this? It's a tough, it's a commission only sales job. But that's what I'm saying, right? So let's, let me ask you this question. How many realtors do you think really love real estate? I think the successful ones do. What percentage of realtors do you think really, you know, in other words, they would do it even if they were getting paid for it? Well, that's, I mean, that's a very small percentage. <laughs> but that's what, yeah, we, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah, what it takes, right? You got to pay the mortgage, right? No, I, I understand. What I'm saying is like, like so uh, some of the channels that I follow, that I, some of the content creators that I like following the most are some of them are carpenters, right? And because they'll do this like long, hour-long video of like them putting a table together or something. It's fascinating. Yeah, I, love that shit. I love that shit, yeah. Fucking fascinating. Now, I understand these are professionals. I know they do it for a living, right? There's a part of it that goes, I think these guys would do it even if they weren't. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. Like, cause they love it. They just love yeah. the, everything about carpentry and wood and whatever. Right. And it's kind of feel about real estate agents as well. Cause there are, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have worked with some really amazing agents and what's, what's common for me, for them is they love real estate. You know, they love like, Oh, look at this house and the construction and look at the materials they're using and look at this, look at like, they actually really dig real estate, right? Yeah. Or they're really into like this neighborhood and economic development and here's what's happening. And, you know, the local city council rep is this person and they're doing this and look at the street layout. You know what I mean? Like they really dig yeah, it. They most, really most love it. And I know that really love it are really more into like finding that family, the house for their little girl that, that is coming to the world. I mean, that those human connections that they're helping, you know, do too, yeah. right? They love they love that. that That's why they say a lot of people that are successful in in real estate come from the service industry because they're into helping people. Helping people, right. And that's that's a big part of what real estate does for sure. And I think the problem there becomes that's not a niche. Well, it's you have to apply that that skill towards something, right? You know, towards a, a business strategy, but I mean, you know, you have to find that whatever it is you have, you have to find that passion. I know, like one of our sales managers, what his his thing is like, uh, you know, he he manages a very large sales department. He's not necessarily, you know, into like selling. Okay. What he's into is mentoring his team to become better at yeah. selling. He okay. likes to give them the tools and pra- that's what moves him. Is okay. like taking a young person that came in with little experience and then helping them grow into a great salesperson. It's not really the fact of just, he loves selling and calling on the phone and blah, blah, blah. Everybody finds a way within them of something they love to bring into that. Right. right. Uh, to do that. I love, I love design. I love products. Right. I do right. love, you know, um, I, you know, I, I've written a blog for 15 years. Right. But I right. mean, um, I also was the CEO of a software company, right? I mean, but you bring all those things into the things that the passions you have into what you're doing as well. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell you like 
why Ruby on Rails is the way to go rather than Python, you right. know, or, or, you know, why a craftsman style home is better than a, you know, a, a, some sort of, you know, modern architecture, mid-century or something. I mean, um, there's just different ways that people can find that, that, find that passion and apply it to what they're doing for sure. So let's put it this way, because <clears throat> I agree with you. I think most real estate agents are motivated by this desire to help people. Yeah. Which is really noble. And I think it's awesome. Right. Having said that, that's not a niche. I don't know that you could do a YouTube channel about how much you love to help people. Right. Right. So maybe that's your baseline motivation. Well, I mean, what if helping people is being the expert in that in this neighborhood? You want to help people move into this neighborhood. Right. I guess. But then you're going to have to become an expert. Like you're going to have to really love that neighborhood. Right. You're going to have to really. Yeah. And, and again, the, the rule that I have is you're going to you have to want to do it even if you aren't getting paid for it. Right. Uh, of course you need to get paid. Right? Like we all have to, you know, keep a roof over our heads. Like we, we, I get that. Like that's just a business reality, but that in a real way is the idea of the profession, right? The idea of the profession, like medieval times was you're a doctor, you want to help, you want to heal people and you would do it whether you're getting paid or not. You're a lawyer, you stand for justice. The idea is that you would do it whether you're getting paid or not. Um, and maybe that's, again, it's a much bigger conversation. It's like, okay, you want to help people. That's your base motivation, right? Well, how do you want to help people? Because there are a million different ways to help people. Like your sales manager, you know, he could just as easily be out there volunteering at like the boys club and mentoring, you know, those kids, right? You know, a lot of real estate agents were all about helping these families. You, there's, there's no shortage of nonprofits that could use your help in helping the less fortunate among us, but that's not where they're spending their time. They're spending their time in real estate. Okay, cool. I'm not judging like that's oh, totally yeah. fine. I, mean, I, I think, again, you can help, want to help people and also love real estate, right? But uh, that's you, the second piece. I'm sorry, that's the second people. piece, right? Yeah. I'm saying then you got to learn to love real estate. Right? Yeah. And if you really do, you know, learn to love real estate, then you should love everything about it and you should be able to do content. You should be able to do those things, which will result in more inbound marketing that therefore filling that circle, right? Um, and I think that's, that's maybe, I, you know what? Honestly, I would sort of want to hear from some of our listeners because I'm just telling you, some of the agents I've met, they love houses. They love houses. They love seeing new houses. They love going into new houses. They I love, love construction. Yeah. They love real estate. You know, they love land. They love landscaping. They love backyards. They love design. They love everything to do with houses. Right? They love kitchens and kitchen cabinets. They love it. Right. I don't love it. <laughs> I don't like most of my homes, like decisions are left to Sonny. Cause I'm like, I, you know, look, as long as I have my space and I have my books, like I, I don't, I don't give a crap. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest. Right. Which is why I think I would make a terrible real estate agent because fundamentally I don't really it's love house. houses. It's got bedrooms and baths. What else? Do right. It's like, okay, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's a fucking whatever famous architect's house. Oh, look how cool. I'm not, you know, I don't love it like that. Right. That's hilarious. I think the best agents love houses. I think they love real estate. They also love people. And that fusion is maybe what makes them so effective. I, I'm just real curious, like whether, whether that's, a, that's a necessity. So maybe one of the issues that we have as an industry is that we have a, a, you know, a, hundreds of thousands of people. Maybe they love helping other people. Maybe they do, but they don't really love houses, but they're doing real estate because it's, you know, commission, you can make a good living. So they just see it as a business. So, you know, what, let's use robo dialers and, you know, contact people because once I have them, then I love helping them, you know, something along those lines. And, you know, that's resulting in kind of what we have. Right? Well, I'm sure there's thousands of people, millions of people out there that are working in a job that isn't their passion. Correct. Right. I mean, so it's I agree. like any other profession out there. Well, no. See, that's exactly what I was going to say. Those aren't professions. Those are jobs, right? And it, maybe the distinction is the profession is the stuff that you just love and you would do it even if you aren't getting paid, right? I think that would be one definition for me of what a profession is versus a job. You know? And all jobs are, are noble. I'm not knocking any jobs. I don't give a shit what you do for a living. You're, you're, you're a plumber, noble. You're fucking cashier at a fast food joint, noble. All jobs are noble, but there's a difference between jobs and professions, and I think this has to be it. 
And maybe as we talk, because we've spent how many goddamn years talking about professionalism in real estate. Yeah. And we're talking about in terms of like your conduct and your way you dress. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's if you want to be a professional in real estate, you got to love real estate. Right. You got to. And if you don't get out, like find something else that you love that you can make money helping people. Maybe it's cars. Maybe you love cars. Then do cars. Right. Maybe it's skiing. Cool. cool. Go sell ski equipment. Right. Maybe it's technology. Do that. Right. It's, There's plenty of, is, plenty yeah, of places. We're, we're turning into like find your passion. It's a find your find passion. Your passion. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's fine. I mean, it's a job. All jobs are noble. Do your job and, you know, do it well. Right? That's okay too. So going back to how we started this, maybe that's the solution because it seems like the lawsuits, society, laws, technology, regulation, everything is slanted against outbound, these cold calling, you know, that type of un- like interruptions and annoying people. I-, I, think, I think that is relatively easy. So you have to generate inbound. The only way to generate inbound is to find this thing that you love and you're passionate about that you're willing to just talk about, right? So I don't know. That's my take. I, I think you're in agreement. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it to me is semantics, but I for sure, right? I mean, yeah. and I think that these things are not verboten. I think, as we said, there are tools and, and strategies in business you can yeah. do to multiply, you know, your success, right? But, yeah. um, you know, you got to start from a, a good place for sure. Yeah, totally. All right, so my two big takeaways. Number one, if you're a vendor in this space, you should consider becoming a flagship sponsor of this podcast because Greg will love on you long time. Flagship. I like that's a good, that's a good one. Uh, Second big takeaway I think is um, maybe just think second big takeaway is really more of a question. I would love to talk to, I would love to hear from some of our listeners who are top notch professionals. Do you love real estate? I think you do, but I'd I'd like to find out about that. Yeah. Or, or do you know somebody that you know is successful in real estate that you know, doesn't love it? Right. That would be an interesting, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Great. Good. All right, man. Cool conversation from a terrible uh, lawsuit scenario. Oh, so yeah. we're, we're finding silver linings and clouds because that's what we do. We're optimists. We're white pill optimists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that what we are? Good. All right, man. All right, man. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everybody.